Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Well, good morning and welcome to this holiday Labor Day weekend. Summer is coming to a close, unfortunately, but a new season stands before us, a beautiful season, a season of splendor, and that season of, of course, is football season. Yes, that's correct. We have one more week to wait until meaningful NFL football resumes. And my name is Ben, and I'm one of the pastors here at Valley Point. And would just like to say thank you for being here. I'm glad you're here because today is a little bit of a different kind of day because we're not currently in a teaching series. What are we going to do? I'm not sure either. Well, last week we finished our summer teaching series. Next week we begin a new teaching series. So today we're on an island all by ourselves. So let's have some fun today. And I knew about this day for several weeks now. I've been able to plan and prepare. It was a little bit difficult to think about, all right, what's a topic that can stand alone and can help everyone in the room? And hopefully this will. And my hope is that you'll leave encouraged, but I also hope that you'll leave uh, challenged. I hope this talk actually challenges us into some kind of action But I also hope that you're comforted by the fact that nobody has this whole thing figured out in life, all right? So none of us have life all figured out. Well, as I mentioned, as I was thinking through all of this, really what what falls out of what I have to say today is what God has been teaching me over the last several seasons of life and some things that I have found to be true. And I have seek scripture, and we're going to talk about a question today that I believe everybody will deal with at some point in their life. We're going to talk about a question. We're going to have a big idea, of course. Eric wouldn't let me speak unless I had a big idea, so I'll have one of those, and then we're going to look at some scriptural truths, and then we're going to take some some final steps, some practical things to step out of the room with this morning. So are we all ready for this? All right, well, here we go. So I have uh, my youngest son. I have two sons and a daughter. My youngest son, Cooper, who is four years old. I have a picture of Cooper for you today. And this is one of my favorite pictures of Cooper. This was when he was, was two years old. And he's really good at pouting, if, if, you, can't, if you can't tell. And one of the things that Cooper does, he hates it when we have to get on to him, when we have to discipline him. And what he'll do sometimes is he'll run into his room, he'll close the door, and he'll lay face down into the carpet and cry and cry. And Courtney and I, or myself, or her individually, will walk into the room. You know, we got to follow up with what just happened. It's really quite pathetic, actually. And we, we begin to talk to him, and one of the things he'll do is he'll look up and say, do you still love me? And we say, well, we did until you did that. And now, no, I'm just kidding. I would never say that. We say, Cooper, of course, of course we still love you. Why do you even ask this? 
There's nothing you could do to make us stop loving you. So from a very early age, we begin to assume these actions and reactions from one another, and that's fair. We assume that if we can do something to make you mad enough, then you're going to stop loving me and stop caring about me. If I give you the silent treatment, that cues you to say, well, Ben's upset at me. I either did something or didn't do something, and now I've cut communication off with you. So here's our question of the day. What do I do when God is silent? Take out your pens. Take out your talk notes. Let's begin this conversation. Because I think this is a hard question to maneuver through. Because at times, God can be silent in our lives. And what does that mean? Does everyone go through this? Is it just me? Is it everybody? Is it people who are just right with God who don't seem to have this problem? Is God mad at me? Have I fallen out of favor with him? Whatever reason, I'm just not hearing from God right now through this season. And a lot of times that can be through many different seasons in life. Perhaps it's a major decision that needs to be made, a a job change or relocation. Maybe it's retirement coming your way, or maybe you've been on a search for a job and just nothing seems to be coming through. What's going on? Maybe it's a relationship. Something's just not kicking on all cylinders. Something's up. A spouse, a child, a friend, just something's up and it's been a while and I just can't find clarity as to how to move and navigate through this situation. Maybe it's physical for you. Maybe you've walked through something that you have pleaded with God to remove from your life and it's still there or a reoccurring illness. Or maybe it's relational. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe there's depression, anxiety, panic attacks come. And all of these different kinds of situations can debilitate us at times, keep us at a standstill. And we are left in this season of just kind of waiting for the next thing waiting for God to present what's next for me. How do I take the next step? Has anybody been there before? Is it just me? I guess it's me and like five others. So all of the rest of you could just go to sleep, I guess. No, I think this does apply. At some point, if you have not got to this place, you will. And we're going to see some truths that fall out of Scripture to help us navigate these kinds of seasons in our lives, because I think what we can do is we can assume that if I can become angry at you, and if I don't have time for you, because there's a lot of things happening, we don't have time for everybody, then God might not have time for us. But here's our big idea, what I have found to be absolutely true of God, and it's this. God is never disinterested with your life, with my life. God is never disinterested in what's happening in your life. He cares about your work. He cares about your relationships. He cares about your emotions, your hopes and dreams. And this is true for everybody here. Even if you're disinterested in him, he is still 
interested in you. But we begin to put human nature and human actions and reactions onto God and say, well, I can become disinterested with you. Even the people who I love and care about, we can become disinterested in them. So God must be able to be disinterested in us. That's human nature. Well, guess what? God doesn't have a human nature. He doesn't. He acts and reacts differently than our nature. Here's a quote that I found as I was studying some of this, and it's profound when we get and understand this. God's acts are never merely arbitrary, although some may be for reasons wholly within himself rather than conditioned upon human response. In other words, God knows that we're not always going to understand him, and he's okay with that. And to be perfectly honest with you, I have come to be okay with that too. Because why would I want to serve a God who I could fully understand? I know just as much as he does about what's good and what's not. That's not a very big God. So I appreciate the fact that sometimes he reserves reasons wholly within himself. So as we move through this content, we're going to find that God sometimes acts in certain ways for a specific reason that is consistent with his nature, not ours. And how do we know the nature of God? How do we know what he is like, how he functions, and how do we make sense of all of this? Well, we turn to scripture. The Bible is everything. Have you ever thought about this? The Bible is everything that God wanted you to know about him. He's left it all for us. He says, this is all you need to know about me for now. To be able to trust me and to live a successful life. Wow, that's something. So when we search scripture, we find many truths about God. And I've picked out just two. There's many that we could, we could talk about. But two, I think, particular, particularly help us with our conversation today in walking through these seasons of silence in our lives. So let's jump into this. Truth number one about God is this. God is immutable. It's just a fancy way of saying he is unchanging over time and is unable to be changed. He is unchanging in his nature, in his desire, and in his purpose. Those things never change. We find this presented in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. This is just one example. It says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands but you are always, what? The same. You will live forever. And what's interesting about this particular verse is that the author here is quoting another piece of scripture that says the same thing at Psalm 102. It was written 600 years around about. So it was true 600 years before this was written. It was still true and it's still true today. God never changes. He sometimes can function differently 
in the world. He can communicate differently at times, but he stays the same in his nature, in his desire, and in his purpose. So let's hold that in our back pocket for just a minute, because we're going to talk about another truth about God, and it's this. God is faithful. And of course we say this, we sing about it, but do we really believe this to be true, and do we live life like we believe it? Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9, the great prophet Moses writes, understand Therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God. Now, this word faithful in this verse in particular means he is a steadfast parent, permanent. So saying God is the perfect and steadfast parent who is always faithful. And it goes on, he's the God who keeps his covenants for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who what? Who love him and obey his commands. Let's fast forward. Again, about 1,500 years, this was the Old Testament. Now we're gonna fast forward to the New Testament. Paul writes in Romans 8, 28, and we know, and many of you are gonna know this verse and recognize it, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God, again, love God, and are called according to what? His purpose for them. So I did a word study on this word, everything in this verse, because of course it can't actually mean everything, right? And so this word here gives the idea of Well, everything. It actually does mean literally everything. In fact, it means all things. In all manner of things, the whole. In other words, everything. But here's where it gets interesting. When we get to this phrase, the good. Good here means intrinsically good. Meaning, it's good whether it is seen to be good or not. And this is where it gets hard. For those who love God, he works together for their good. This is the scriptural truth that falls out of these words. If you have put your faith in Jesus alone to save you, and you're genuinely trying to obey and find God's purpose for you, he is faithfully working on your behalf. And again, God knew that we wouldn't always understand his ways, and he reserves, remember, some of his ways wholly to himself. But he says, everything I do for those who love me, who have put their faith in Jesus, my son, to save them, I am faithfully working on your behalf, and it's good. Whether you see it to be good or not, it's intrinsically good because it's from God. So here's our foundation for our big idea for today. How do we know God is never disinterested in in us? Because he is faithful, that's true, and he is unchanging, So if he's unchanging, then he's faithful all of the time, 
in everything forever. All right, are you still with me? Okay. So before we, we really dig into to answering the question, I want us to do something. I want to encourage you in a unique way. We're going to take a little bit of pleasure in someone else's pain. Don't look so happy. I know you like to do this. Don't even pretend. We love to see other people in pain sometimes. And it can help. It can help encourage us to see others who have struggled in the past. And so we're going to take a look at a passage that was written by King David. This is the mighty King David who slayed Goliath, who became the king of the nation of Israel. God handpicked him as king. God calls him a man after my own heart. So this is David. He had no question as to what God's call on his life was or if he was in the will of God. He knew that. So let's see some of the words that he writes in Psalm chapter 44. But now, talking to God, you have tossed us aside in dishonor. You no longer lead our enemies to battle. You make us retreat from our enemies and allow those who hate us to plunder our land. You have butchered us like sheep and scattered us among nations. You let our neighbors mock us. We're an object of scorn and derision to those around us. We can't escape the constant humiliation. It seemed like the Phillies a few recently. <laughs> Shame is written across our faces. All this has happened, though, get this, we have not forgotten you, okay? We have not violated your covenant. Our hearts have not deserted you. We've not strayed from your path. God, wake up, O oh Lord. Why do you sleep? These are kind of harsh words to speak to God, but this word sleep means to be slack or to grow old or stale. So basically, David's saying, God, why are you sleeping on the job here? Decisions need to be made. Battles need to be won. And we're not getting your direction. What's going on? Get up. Why do you look the other way? This word means to be absent. He's just not there. Why are you absent or hide oneself? Why are you hiding from us? Why do you ignore our suffering and oppression? We collapse in the dust, lying face down in the dirt. Rise up. Help us. Now, do these sound like the words of a man who feels like God's presence is all in his life? Not to me. This sounds like a pretty desperate and frustrated and angry man. Someone who is grasping to try to figure out what God has for him. And this is one of the most godly men throughout history. Hand chosen by God. And still, he finds himself in a season of silence. Throughout human history, since the fall of man, men and women have desperately tried to hear from God, to know that he sees us and that he actually cares about us. And I know this is true. This is deep inside of humanity because think about it. When tragedy strikes, 
when really bad things happen and nobody has a good answer for it and we look to our leaders for answers, what do they say? Pray. Please pray. We covet your prayers at this time. And you see hashtags on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, pray for this, pray for this city, pray for that. But then all of a sudden, when things seem good, when things make sense, prayer is offensive. No, we got to get prayer out of here. And I'm not picking on anybody who does this because I think it's a good thing to cry out in prayer and to ask for prayer. I think it refocuses our attention on on, onto where answers actually come from. But there's something within us that desperately cries out and knows we need this. We need to hear from God. And we can suppress that and we can pretend that the need isn't there, but it is too deep inside of us. It is part of our created being. Our souls need to hear from God. We need to know he is there and we need to know that he actually cares about what's happening down here. And he cares about me. So why do these seasons exist? Why is God silent at times? So my best answer, I think, is easily found It's actually easily found in scripture. But don't get me wrong. Don't don't misunderstand me. It is profoundly complicated to resolve. We find the answer in its most direct terms in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And we only need four words to answer. For all have sinned. So this isn't a talk about sin, actually. And I'm not talking about any particular sin or any particular moment in life that you fail. Because a lot of the times, we want to give in to the lies of our enemy. Satan himself whispers these lies into our ear and says, because you did that, communication has been cut off from you. Because of this mistake, you are no longer allowed to communicate with God. And the problem with that is it's just not true. Silence from God isn't necessarily pointed at a particular sin in our lives. Read the book of Job, and you'll get a clear example of this happening. And silence from God isn't even necessarily a sign of spiritual immaturity. Look at David. He wasn't spiritually immature, yet he's still in a season of silence because just like him, just like us, just like every person, we are born into a world of sin. And because of sin, the fall of man, communication with God and man was broken. It was broken. It's not how God designed it. He wanted to communicate directly with his creations, how he functioned at the beginning. And then sin had to come and mess everything up and it broke communication and this system of communication was severed. There's good news. There is some good news here because Jesus, his work on the cross, his resurrection repaired much of this communication system. The Bible tells us that Jesus now is seated beside the father and he intercedes on our behalf 
for those who have put their trust in Jesus to save them, we can communicate to the Father through Jesus. Because we're told in Scripture when we do that, when we put our faith in him, his spirit takes up residence inside of us and now lives within us. And we can rely on that Holy Spirit to help us through these times. It can give us supernatural abilities, supernatural patience, ways to cope with loss and suffering in ways without him we are just empty. So in reliance to the Holy Spirit, he prompts us as to how to pray and what to pray. And we can do that. And Jesus intercedes on our behalf to the Father. So communication was broken. It's been repaired, but it's still, it's still short of what God originally planned. So I believe that it's because of primarily sin, not any particular sin, just sin in general. And then we can also put into play all the things we have to do, all of our responsibilities, all of the stuff that just takes our time to the point where we can no longer hear the voice of God in our life. So what do we do? How do we get out of this? How do we regain this feeling of God's presence in our lives? I have some practical steps. And I believe if we run these steps, we can find the next thing that God has for us. So step number one is this. Again, take out your pens. Get out your talk notes. Let's do this. So step number one, make sure... It is God who is being silent. So this takes some introspective behavior here because a lot of the times we'll talk to friends, we'll talk to family, and we just pour our hearts out and say, I just don't feel like God is telling me what to do. I, I can't get his clarity in my life. Have you actually stopped to talk to God about this? That's all well and good to get spiritual mentorship, but what have you done? Have you actually set a time, significant amounts of time, not just my prayer in the morning on the way to work, significant amounts of time to seek God's purposes for you. Pray, read scripture. How much scripture are you intaking throughout the week? This is how we hear from God. It hasn't happened to me yet. I haven't heard a loud voice to me. It happens through reading scripture. He can quietly whisper within us. His Holy Spirit prompts us and helps us to understand God's will for us. Do you want to give your kids everything they need without any effort? No. They're going to become lazy and immature and entitled. And God doesn't want that for us. He doesn't want us to be lazy and immature and entitled spiritually. He says, no, I will do my part. Put some effort into it here. So make sure it's God who's being silent and not you. All right, maybe you've done that. Nope, that part's great. I've been spending a lot of time. I mean, this is big. So I've been praying and seeking and I'm still 
just not feeling his voice in my life. Let's move on to step number two. Remember, remember when he has come through for you in the past because sometimes looking back is the greatest way to find confidence in the future. And some of this comes in time as we follow the Lord as our faith grows. It can be easier to look back and say, boy, he came through for me so big here. He has been faithful to me, so I have confidence. Without knowing how, he's gonna come through for me in the future and keep loving him, keep obeying him, and keep seeking his will for you. And remember, claim the truths of scripture. He is faithful. He is faithfully working on your behalf. All right, say, okay, that's great. All right, I remember a couple times I, I still don't hear from him. This is still going on. All right, so let's just get really practical here. So step number three is this. Do something. Do something. Even when you're waiting, you can be productive. Don't just wait. Participate in something that impacts others. Participate in something that is encouraging to others. Every good thing comes from God. So find something good and just do that for a while. You don't need a great sign from God to know how to do something good. We can all find that. Maybe it's volunteering in your community. Maybe it's volunteering here at Valley Point. Start being generous with your time and resources and see what can happen. A mentor of mine a long time ago was sharing some advice with me. He's like, as I counsel people, here's one of the things that I've found. People really overcomplicate decisions sometimes because we think that we actually have the power to choose something that's going to mess God up. Like we're going to blindside him and, 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 and mess up his plan in the world. Well, sometimes God just wants you to choose. Just do something good. You have a hope. You have a dream. Follow that. But let's not just get crazy here. He said, let's, let's put in some guardrails. He said, this is what I tell people. If it's not irresponsible, if it's not harmful, and if it's not immoral, we'll go do it. If you're not sure, if you know it's not what you're supposed to do, don't do it. But if you're not sure, go do that thing. Talk to your spouses. Don't do anything crazy without talking to them. Remember, nothing irresponsible, nothing that's going to get your family into something that's, that's messy. But if you're struggling to find something and you're to the point where something needs to happen, I got to do something here, well, go find it and do it. It might just lead you to your next big thing that God wants for you. And then lastly, if all else has failed, you're probably going to be a little bit disappointed because step number four is simply trust. Simply trust. It's what we're asked, asked to do. God says, some of my ways are outside of your ways to comprehend, and you got to trust. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Psalm 77, 14 says, you are the God who does wonders. This word wonders means perform miracles. We all put our faith in something. We all put our trust into something, whether you think you do or not. You're either trusting in yourself in your own abilities, in your own uh, accomplishments, or you're trusting in someone else 
Or maybe you're trusting in something else. Maybe it's security in finances. It's the happiness you can find with more money. You're putting your faith in something. Why not make that something the God who does wonders, who can perform miracles? Remember the truths about God. Claim them. Silence is an always an indicator of spiritual immaturity. It isn't always an indicator of sin. Run the steps. See if, if there's something in your life that, that might need to be removed or put into place. That might be the case, but sometimes that's not. And when we've come to the point where there's nothing else, here's what Jesus says. And this is really where we should start and not finish. Matthew 11, Jesus, all right, this is Jesus saying this. He says, come to me, all of you, this might be my favorite verse in scripture, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I actually didn't know this until I was studying for this sermon. The words heavy burdens here actually mean spiritual anxieties. Jesus knew just how to penetrate to the heart and the soul of humanity. He says, I know you have all of these things going on. There's something deeper that you may not even realize it. You have spiritual anxieties that need resolution and I alone can give you rest. Doesn't that sound good? Rest for your soul. Oh, I think we'd all sign up for that. Jesus says, I am here. This is what I am here for. Come to me. And those things you desperately want so deep inside of you to know that God is there, to feel his presence in your life, to know that he cares about you, I can provide this and nothing else can. So in closing, I wanted to just talk to a couple of groups in the room. Maybe you are in this season. God is silent. You're trying to make a decision. Maybe that's a major decision. Maybe it's kind of minor, but it's something that's on your heart and you care about right now. And if you care about it, then God cares about it. So if that's you, run the steps. Just take a look inside. Take some time to remember when God was faithful and start trusting. Let's run the steps and see what happens. And if you've got to the point where something needs to happen and there's no clarity, do something. Get out there and do something good and just see what God has in store for you. And then lastly, for those who are in a very dark and scary season in life, I'd like to first just say, I'm sorry that you're having to walk through this. And that might seem disingenuous from me. I might not know you that well. I don't know exactly what you're going through and that's okay, I understand that. But I do know that your creator knows exactly what you're going through and he cares about you 
and nothing you have done in your life has excluded you from God's interest in you. As long as you have a breath to breathe in your lungs, you have a purpose to fulfill. And most likely you're at this final step of simply trust because quite honestly at times, that's really all there is. Nobody has an answer to make everything feel okay. There's no magical verse or ancient prayer. Sometimes we just have to trust and claim God's promises. God, you are never changing. You're always faithful. And I love you and I want to obey you. So faithfully work on my behalf. And he says, I am the steadfast and permanent parent. And I will. Whether you see it to be good or not, this is good. And we might not understand it this side of heaven. But God says, this is good. Love him, obey him, faithfully follow him. Know that he still loves you, he still sees you, he still cares for you, he's not disinterested in you and trust. May we all trust in the God who does wonders. Let's pray. God, thank you for your truths that we find in scripture, how encouraging they can be. Thank you for sharing the tough stories, the stories of failure, the stories of others who have struggled so that we can see we're, we're not alone here. We're not the first generation to deal with this problem. This has been going on for a long time. And that helps, but that, that doesn't fully answer our questions. So help us to dig deep inside of your word and find truth and apply that truth into our understanding. And while we trust, give us confidence, give us peace, give us relief as you see fit. And where you find it within yourself to withhold, may we trust that you are a good God working on our behalf. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.